Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back. It's Bill Eve, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine Buffalo Bills podcasts. My name is John Boccasino, being joined, of course, by Jamie D'Amico. As we are talking Buffalo Bills football, we are at the midway point of July. Training camp is finally uh, in sight, it feels like, Jamie, with camp starting on July 28th. We will have a lot of storylines to look forward to. And it's great that again, we're getting closer and closer to meaningful football. Oh my God. It just can't get here quickly enough. And you know, the storylines of training camp, they're always fun. And this year it's going, it's going to be a little bit different than it was last year because there's going to be a little bit more media access. And last, last off season was a toughie because we had to basically kind of guess based on very little information what was going on. And who knows, maybe if there was more access, we would have seen the season that Josh Allen was going to have. Maybe we would have seen it coming, but hey, it made it all the sweeter that it was hoisted upon us early in the season and opened some eyes, right? Yeah, it really was a, a pleasant surprise. And you're right. I mean, there were only a couple of, you know, I forget how often from training camp, you know, reporters and beat writers could put out their videos and tweet the highlights and really talk about what exactly was happening, you know, from camp last year. It's it's going to be back to more of a normalcy with regards to people reporting on the updates and reporting on who's making progress and the camp battles that we're all looking forward to. And I think, Jamie, this is, again, the first time in my adult fandom of being a Bills fan where the team legit has Super Bowl aspirations and it's not just, well, if this goes right and this team falls down and this rookie develops, they could compete for a, a crown in the AFC East. No, like legit, all the pieces are in place for the Buffalo Bills to make an extended run to chase down that elusive Super Bowl championship. And I know a lot has to happen for the Bills to get there, but hope is a beautiful thing in Western New York. And it feels like there's such optimism around this team. And that's where I kind of want to start with the theme of our podcast today. As we are getting ready for training camp again, opening up July 28th um, in the team's facilities in Orchard Park, New York, not at St. John Fisher College, the Buffalo Bills have a lot that they're thankful for, a lot of things that they're looking forward to. And I thought we as fans... On this podcast, Jamie, we should talk about what we are excited about, what we are looking forward to when it comes to training camp. And this can be anything. It, it could be, you know, seeing how 
Emmanuel Sanders fits in with the offense. It could be seeing whether Josh Allen catapults himself and digs forward and goes for that MVP. It could be seeing, and you name it, any position could be fair topic for this uh, here, Jamie, when it comes to what we're excited about. So as my esteemed colleague and co-host, I will let you lead off the show. What are you looking forward to most about training camp? There's been a lot made about the work that this guy has been doing in the offseason at the Tight End Academy. And I am excited to see whether or not working out with his peers and going to a sports psychologist and working, doing drills, working on his eye-hand coordination is going to make a difference for Dawson Knox. We will know early on in practices if he's showing a better ability to run his routes, block, and most importantly, catch the damn ball. Because when Knox was a rookie, he had a 20% drop rate. Horrible. It was the worst in the NFL. He improved that by cutting it 50% to a 9% drop rate. As you like to say, not good, Bob. That means (laughs) one out of every 10 passes is slipping through his hands. That is not a reliable receiver. You've got to drop it even more. You've got to drop it another 50% to be considered a, a reliable target for Josh Allen and Brian Dable's offense. So I am very much looking forward to see if all the hype about his offseason work is going to pay off in the form of better hands and better route running because this guy, as an athlete, is an animal. He's physical. He can run. He is the kind of dude that you look at and you say, all the physical tools are there. Can you put it all together and get what's in your head screwed on straight? I can't wait to see it. We'll, Like I said, we'll know early on if all this stuff paid off. It's interesting you went with, uh, with Dawson Knox. I think that's one of the players that is under the most pressure, uh, is under the this feeling that the heat of the crucible, if you will, when it comes to uh, training camp, because this offense led by Josh Allen is phenomenal. It's magnanimous. It's it's prolific. I mean, all the adjectives you want to throw out there, this offense is that and more. They scored 501 points last year, a franchise record for points uh, in a season. They bring in Emmanuel Sanders to replace John Brown and The fact that Dawson Knox comes under such scrutiny is really because his drops have been so visible and it's been such a prominent problem. And for someone who only gets roughly four targets per game, we're not asking him to improve that much, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's not like you're saying somebody needs to go from averaging three yards a carry to five yards a carry. It's just don't drop one out of every 10 passes. And I I share your optimism that hopefully this work with the uh, vision coach to improve his hand-eye coordination uh, will will pay off. I do feel like the Bills brought in a a very underrated safety blanket, security blanket in Jacob Hollister um, to compete with Knox. Um, It's clearly Knox is the one uh, at this position and Hollister is going to be the one challenging for reps. But I hope, I hope, Jamie, I share your optimism. I hope that Knox does make that next leap because holy shit, that offense would just be even scarier with a prominent tight end. Now, there's probably been other athletes who have done it. I just can't remember them offhand, uh, except for one. 
that has worked with an eye coordination coach. And that was back in the 90s. That was, do you remember the baseball player, center fielder for the Orioles, Brady Anderson? Do you remember him? I I mostly remember him for that out of nowhere 50 homer season when he was most likely on some sort of performance enhancing substance. And that was exactly it. He did the eye training classes, courses, whatever you want to call it. And then that led to him having the 50 homer season. That and that alone had nothing to do with performance enhancing drugs. Wink, wink. (laughs) Well, that's an interesting correlation uh, when it comes to on-field success and what kind of difference, you know, this work with a coach like this can make. I I hope that I hope that it pays off because from all accounts, Dawson's a good guy. He seems to have a good head on his shoulders. He seems to really like the dude. That flow is incredible. Like I can never match that. (laughs) That. Especially at this point when I'm losing the hair on my head, I, I look at this guy in his mid twenties, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, come on, give me some of those locks." It's not only it's not fair enough that he can run after the catch like the best of them, but yeah, he's got that mane like a lion out there. Yeah, and I don't know. You know, you said that I I was having optimism. I don't know if it's optimism as much as I'm interested to see the results. Um, I I would I'm hoping that it works. I don't know if it will, but I'm excited to see the results. That's fair enough. And that's, and that's what, again, the premise, and we want to hear from our fans too. Once our podcast posts on Buffalo rumblings and on social media, what you're most excited about, what you're looking forward to about camp, there's no real wrong answer. And I think that Dawson Knox is one of those guys who, again, has such scrutiny on him that it makes sense to, pinpoint him as in particular one of the guys that you are most uh, excited about seeing and if the progress and the benefits are there for this offseason work that's going to pay immediate dividends mm-hmm. for the bills and we'll know right away like you said so now i'm i, I got to tell you ever since we discussed having this topic in our we'll call it our production meeting i couldn't wait to hear what you come up with and i hope it's not a platitude and I don't think it would be, but I, I am hoping and praying that the thing you're looking forward to most isn't simply football coming back. No, no, okay, good. No. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, that's we, we've been talking ad nauseum. We even started the show by saying how excited we are to actually get towards meaningful football. But I am not just excited for this Buffalo Bills team to take the field at Orchard Park and, you know, don the pads and, and get the helmets on and actually start doing seven on sevens and two minute drills. But where I will start is I think one of those parts of the offense that a lot of fans are going to be agreeing with me. There's a lot of scrutiny being paid towards this position. And the thing I'm looking forward to most is really, I'm going to break it out into two parts. It's thematic, the offensive line. I want to see the continuity Mm. continuing from having the same five starters, hopefully uh, taking the field for week one with Pittsburgh, as did the second half of last year. But more micro level, it's Cody Ford and what he is going to bring to this offensive line. Because I got to tell you, Jamie, I keep reading articles and there's great ones that are out there. The athletic Reporters do a phenomenal job in covering the Buffalo Bills. Matt Perino uh, with New York Upstate does a great job with the mm-hmm. Buffalo Bills, as does his colleague Ryan. I yeah. mean, there's so many great guys that cover this team. 
I was reading an article and this really triggered me thinking why this is, this is the part I'm looking forward to the most. I was reading an article about Cody Ford and as much as Bill's fans um, might think he's been a flop so far and he's been a bust so far, and it's fair enough to throw those labels out there. He's been hurt. He really hasn't had a fully healthy season to demonstrate what he can do for the offensive line. From all accounts, he is fully healthy. He's ready to go and entering his third year in the league. And Jamie, if you talk about uh, a question mark on the offensive line, I know what I'm getting with John Feliciano. I know what I'm getting with Daryl Williams. I know what I'm getting with Deion Dawkins. I'm pretty sure I know what I'm getting with Mitch Morris, although concussions are kind of a major red flag with him, but I, I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. It's Cody Ford to me that is the variable. We don't know what he's going to bring. He's been automatically penciled in uh, for one of the starting guard spots opposite Feliciano. Ike Butker is going to have a lot to say about that during training camp. So I'm looking forward to seeing does Cody Ford separate himself from the pack? Does he finally justify that Mauler motto that came with him out of Oklahoma? Or is he yet another in a long line of Buffalo Bills offensive line draft picks that don't pan out? That's a really interesting one, too, because it it could go either direction, couldn't it? He could go somewhere from being a potential pro bowler to off the team and out of the league quickly. And there's just no telling what he's going to be. He's probably better than we as fans give him credit for. You know, if you look at some of the the breakdowns by our colleagues, be it uh, Bruce Nolan or Griff or Scarecrow, people who know more about the the ins and outs of football than I do will tell you that he's not terrible. But if he can't stay healthy and can't stay on the field and he's showing up as one of the bottom rated offensive linemen in run blocking or pass blocking, one or the other, I can't remember what it was. He's not going to stick around in the NFL for too long. And in a lot of cases, you can say that it's probably his second round status that has, in fact, saved his roster spot if he does play poorly in training camp, yet makes it anyway, makes the team that is. I am looking forward to that as well. You know, we haven't heard anything from from minicamp about him, but also he's had the red no contact jersey on. Him being healthy could be a good thing. Now, well, and, and 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 the thing with Cody, not to, um, I want to play off the injury part there for a second, Jamie, because you mentioned the no contact red jersey. It's not good for someone like a Cody Ford, who again is a came out of college with the physical moniker, who would push around the defensive lineman, who would win his one on one battles with brute strength and physicality. The two injuries he's dealt with are counterproductive to his style of play, having shoulder surgery his first year and a torn meniscus and ankle problems his second year, which affects his Mm -hmm. ability to plant and to really get that good movement going forward when it comes to his blocking. So again, that's why I'm giving Cody a pass so far. I feel like it's an incomplete grade. He's played just as many games hurt as he has healthy in his NFL career. So I really want to see does this and I want the kid to do well because again I, I follow him on social media. He seems like he's a really good member of the Western mm-hmm. New York community. He loves Buffalo. 
he's like the kid who you just, you can't get it right. You know what I mean? Like you can't stay on the field and that consistency part. That's why Ike Butker earned so much praise last year, because is he going to be an all pro or a pro bowler? No, no, but he's consistent. He was consistently out there and he was a steadying force on the line. Ford needs to deliver that. Otherwise it's like, uh, it's like Butker's job. Yeah, I would say it probably is. And they did add additional competition in Forrest Lamp, who was a second round pick himself, who has been questionable at times with the Chargers. You know, he he hasn't lived up to his second round status, which is why the Chargers were willing to let him walk. But he's very experienced. So it's the kind of thing where if he can turn it on, there may not be space on the roster for somebody who is perpetually injured. It's it's going to be interesting, and I think we're all rooting for Cody Ford because he does seem like a, a good dude. I remember watching him get drafted, and he was gregarious and charismatic, and you just can't help but root for a guy that seems to be so likable. It would be like rooting against Deion Dawkins. Like, how can you do that? Um, but, you know, it's like Buddy Nix used to say, don't tell me about the childbirth. Show me the baby. <laughs> Folksy, wow, isn't it? <laughs> that's such a great deep cut from Buddy Nix. I completely forgot that was one of his gems. <laughs> that and uh, when he traded the seventh round pick and said, I'm a riverboat gambler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if the riverboat's going one mile an hour down a very flat stream of body of water, I think he might be a riverboat gambler. But that's not very... Uh, that's not taking much of a risk there to trade a seventh rounder. but And didn't he trade a seventh rounder to move up two places in the third round to get TJ Graham or something ridiculous like that? That sounds about right. I mean, and then, but the TJ Graham trade, wasn't that also, I mean, God, I forget who, Russell Wilson was the guy who oh, everyone right. passed over and the Bills had a chance twice to grab him. He ended up going seven picks later to Seattle um, Olivier Vernon also was a pick after TJ Graham, um, Mohamed Sanu, you know, T.Y. Hilton. I mean, you know, I know drafts are full of revisionist history, but kind of makes you throw up a little bit thinking who the Bills could have had instead of TJ Graham. Well, it does, especially when you consider that other teams had him rated like a fifth round, sixth round pick. That was when they showed the Dallas Cowboys draft room a picture of it. You could see some player names on walls, and the Cowboys had him rated as like a sixth round talent, and that's probably where he should have gone. Yeah, anyway. a bit of a reach there for good old buddy Nicks, but it goes to show that the Bills again have made leaps and bounds of progress when it comes to their yes. drafting uh, and the caliber of a franchise, and the fact that the things we're looking forward to are all part of a Super Bowl run that we're hoping the Buffalo Bills will go on here in 2021. We've given you our first two collective things we're looking forward to. Jamie with Dawson Knox's development and the work with the vision coach and myself, Cody Ford and Kenny contribute more consistently to the offensive line. Jamie, what's your second thing you're looking forward to the most? Okay. And this is something that isn't going to take place until the very end of training camp. And what I'm looking forward to is cut down day. More specifically, Brandon Bean's roster construction. And the reason I mention that is because the Bills have 
too many defensive linemen. They have too many offensive linemen. What are they going to do? Let's look at the defensive line, specifically defensive ends. Who do they have on the roster? Two highly drafted rookies in Boogie Basham and Gregory Russo. They've got the two old veterans in Mario Addison, Jerry Hughes. They have uh, the young vet coming back for his second year, A.J. Epinesa. That's five defensive ends. That's typically more. They paid F.A. Obata, a guy who they like, a a uh, signing bonus in order to come and play for the team. And typically you don't cut guys that have a signing bonus. Now we've got six defensive ends. Plus you have guys that played on the roster last year, like Daryl Johnson, who's a key special teamer, nine, nine defensive ends. And then you switch over to defensive tackles. You've got Star Lutulele and you've got, um, Ed Oliver, who are going to be the starters. But then you have Harrison Phillips, Mike Zimmer, uh, Vernon Butler, and some other guys that are brought in to compete with them. You can't have that many D linemen all on your roster at the same time. So what are they going to do with all this talent? And that's what it is. It's talent that they've got on this roster. You can't just cut these guys. So what are they going to do? Is Brandon Bean going to work out some of his wizardly trades like he's done in the past, trading the Russell Bodines of the world? Who is going to get snuck onto the injured reserve list? That's what I'm particularly keen on looking at. I Honestly, I think Gregory Rousseau, the first-round pick, is going to end up on injured reserve with... An ailment of sorts. One of those, like I said before, wink, wink injuries. Interesting that you went towards the um, the defensive line when it comes for and the defensive rotations, the defensive ends, defensive tackles. You know, Brandon Bean has proven himself to be a, a very uh, adept trader, if you will, and getting something for nothing out of you know potential uh, training camp cuts. And there's just too many bodies along this line. I mean, the most I could see Buffalo keeping is nine or 10. I would, I would imagine um, between the DEs and the D tackles. And that's not even getting into the Harrison Phillips battle of, can he finally find his way back into not just being, he's an awesome human being, but his performance has lacked consistency. Of course he had the injury uh, he was going through and star Latula returning from the opt out. Can he bring back the, presence for the run defense and the run stuffing that the bills need. I mean, there's a lot of variables on that D line and I don't know, maybe we've talked about this before we did our back in after the draft, we did a podcast on the state of the defensive ends and who would be kept and who would be cut. Maybe they're able to find some way to get some trade value for Mario Addison um, and let Jerry work with Russo Basham and Epinesa and form a really youthful Uh, defensive end rotation, but I don't envy Brandon Bean making these decisions because I feel like he almost has to keep F.A. Obata given the money that they put into him. You don't want to cut guys that you paid a a signing bonus to because it's just lost money, especially in the the first year. Um, 
there's just there's too many players at too many too many positions and we didn't even talk about the offensive line where they brought in draft picks and they are not want to cut draft picks it's something that the this regime has rarely done so how are they going to do it and if they do keep more numbers at at those positions on the lines who do you end up cutting like where do you cut people from the roster do you take away defensive backs? Do you take away linebackers, receivers, running backs? It, it just, it doesn't seem like there's a good place. And this is a good problem to have, mind you. You want to be in a place where you cut guys that end up on other rosters because that means that you have, at least in theory, good players on your team. It's a, it's a good place to be. How are they going to do it? What sort of strategy are they going to use to get there? I, I can't wait. Good word of uh, former President George W. Bush with his strategery and impassionativity and seeing what Brandon Bean will do. He's going to have to get pretty creative with uh, with those roster decisions. And of course, we'll be here on Believe to break down all of those difficult decisions as training camp progresses. You know, Jamie, it's interesting because you, we touched on the offensive line. You've touched on the defensive line and defensive end positions for what you're looking forward to. I I struggled with my second one because there's a couple different directions mm-hmm. I, I could go with this, but I feel like what I'm looking forward to most about my second aspect of training camp is going to be another positional battle. And I went back and forth on what was going to be my number two spot. I'm going to go with the second cornerback mm. spot. And we talked about this at length uh, with our podcast about should the Bills sign a Steven Nelson or Richard Sherman to compete with Levi Wallace. And so far, the Bills seem to be sticking with the status quo. Good thing they didn't sign Richard Sherman, huh? Yeah, boy. Oh, boy. That was uh, who saw that coming? I mean, we never know what these athletes you know, do uh, in their in their private time. I mean, it's you know, but that that's some pretty bad drama that the Bills don't want anything to do with. So I'm kind of glad, like you said, that they steered clear of bringing in Richard Sherman. But I guess if you, you know, holding a gun to my head, um, I would go with with CB2 and Dane Jackson. I really want to see Levi Wallace. We know what he is. We know what he brings to the table. He's steady but unspectacular. He can get burned, and he can make big plays from time to time. It's clear that this Bills regime has a lot of faith in Dane Jackson. They gave him some valuable reps last year when the team was making their march to the AFC Championship. And for a seventh-round draft pick, I feel like he could be a better version of of Levi Wallace with his aggressiveness, with his nose for the ball. He had a couple of big breakups. He had a big interception last year. I really want to see, can somebody unseat Levi Wallace for that CB2 spot opposite Trey White? Because if the Bills can find that lockdown second cornerback, who obviously is not as good as Trey, but is better than what they had last year, that secondary becomes just a nightmare trying to throw against them. And if you factor in the pass rush getting more improved with Rousseau and Basham being added to the D-line rotation, how are you going to succeed against this Bills defense if that happens? Right. And I like Levi Wallace. I'm on record is, is, is saying that I like him. But I like him better as a backup. I would like to see somebody with more athleticism on the field. And Dane Jackson isn't really more athletic and he's not really 
any larger than Levi Wallace. They're both about six feet tall. They both have kind of a thin build to them. But it seems as though Dane Jackson is a little better at the catch point than Levi Wallace, and he seems to have some really good instincts on him. Now, why he wasn't active more and was on the practice squad, he was brought up and down a little bit. Being on the practice squad certainly leaves him exposed to being picked up by other teams. So there obviously is something in his game that the coaching staff wasn't comfortable with, and other teams didn't want to take him off the Bills practice squad. So we're probably not looking at an instant star here. However, the coaching staff has really talked him up in the offseason, and they are giving him a chance to compete. And based on the little bit that we saw of him, it looks like the talent is there. And the work ethic is there, too. I, there's a, a great video that was produced this offseason showing Dane Jackson working out with the Aaron Donald on tire flips and all sorts of agility skills. And, you know, Dane Jackson is proving himself to have that great work ethic and that that great ability to succeed. And in what he did in limited reps, he's still graded out as a top 50 cornerback at his position. Um, he was a third highest graded cornerback on Buffalo's roster last year. He ranked fifth on the team in pass breakups, despite appearing in less than half of Buffalo's games. I just feel like there's a real opportunity for Dane Jackson to step up. And the fact that the Bills front office has the confidence in him, that he's got the confidence in himself, that Leslie Frazier has a lot of confidence in Dane Jackson. I think the tables are set to see what this kid can do this year. I'm looking forward to that myself. And I can't help but think that there are probably holes in his game that the coaching staff has been working with him on. Um, but there's also talent in his game. And that's exactly what the practice squad is for. It's to help these guys develop and improve them and and eliminate these holes in their game and turn them into bona fide NFL rostered players. I'm looking forward to that one myself. And I, and I think that's a good one. That That is something that I thought about myself as being one of my two. Um, there, there's a couple other things, uh, you know, just honorable mentions. I wanted, I, I'm looking forward to seeing if the hype over Isaiah Hodgins is legit or if he's just a, a mini cap, mini camp, non-contact star that disappears when, you know, once the physicality begins of training camp. There's a lot to look forward to with this team because you know that it's going to be a competitive bunch once the season begins. And man, we deserve this, John Boccasino, don't we? We do. We do. It's nice to know that the Bills are going to have some talent that are cut from this team that actually will find a home on other teams because that's how talent laden this roster is right now, top to bottom. And just because Jamie gave you a little mention of his honorable mention one I was going to throw out there, but didn't really want to double down too much on the tight end uh, position. I'm really curious, Reggie Gilliam, if he can find a way to crack that roster as a Swiss Army knife type of weapon who can play fullback, play tight end, play special teams. He actually played in all three of Buffalo's playoff games, which shows that Buffalo's brass, again, has faith that he can perform in some capacity. So maybe he can find a way to carve out a role as a jack of all trades uh, on the offense. But 
you know, Jamie, it's it's fun. It was fun talking about this topic here. We want to hear from our fans. What are you most looking forward to about Buffalo Bills training camp? It could be a player. It could be a positional battle. Get involved. Jamie on Twitter is at the Jamie D'Amico, and I am at John Boccasino. You can also comment on our articles on buffalorumblings.com. Next week, we have a huge topic for the Bills fans here on our podcast. We are going to be discussing taking Josh Allen out of the equation, who is the most indispensable Buffalo Bill heading into the 2021 season. So think about that one, Jamie. I want to hear your non-Josh Allen thoughts on who the most valuable, indispensable, if the Bills lose this player, the season is going to hell in a handbasket. That's our topic for next week here on Bill Leave, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.